0: Welcome to TESO Consulting Group's DEI podcast series, Why is it so hard? Shining through the shadow of resistance. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I am
1: Erica Leak. i Dr. Tanya Breland. And I'm Erica Leek. And this is our podcast, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadows of Resistance. And as many of you know, in this podcast series, we discuss issues that prevent us from being socially just and free as a society. So the goal here is to disrupt the status quo of racial inequality um, and inequity in systems. And so each episode challenges us both us and all of you, all of our listeners, to be the change that we want to be. And today we begin a new series. So let's tell them about our series. Our
0: new series is entitled, Things I Wish I Knew About Race. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, here's the thing. We know a little bit about race, mm-hmm. but we confess that we don't know everything. Yeah. And we also confess that the this series is not going to tell you everything either. But we do hope that it gives you something that you haven't heard before and that it enlightens you in some way and that you walk away feeling a little bit more empowered um, and a little bit better about how you engage in society.
1: Absolutely, and it gives you some tools to go back to our original goal, which is to really be the change that we wanna see, right? so. This is not um, an indictment on anybody or anything like that. This is us learning together. So yeah. how can we learn together and how can we give each other the grace to make mistakes and then do better, right? As um, our elders used to say, when you know better, you do better, that's right. right? And so speaking of mistakes, that's really where we're gonna start with today. Yeah, right?
0: mistakes that teachers make. Yeah. So, you know, why should teachers or actually not just teachers, but anybody. Yeah. Why should people become aware of the historical and social context of the backgrounds of students and their families, or the backgrounds of those that you engage with yeah. in the
1: workplace? Yeah, I think it's really important. Our, our society is, we use the term increasingly diverse, but it's always been diverse, it has been. right? It's always been diverse. I mean, it really is sort of from the beginning of, you know, even though that we weren't on sort of equal playing fields, America really started in a space of diversity, right? And so we are now in a place where we're starting to talk about it and we're starting to explore, like what does it mean for us to be in a society that is equally diverse, right? So we're in a space where we are exploring how to undo some of these inequities. And so like, we really need, if we're going to do that, then we really need to be reflective about some of the decisions that we make, some of the actions that we take. Because the truth is, um, because we were started, we started out in our country, um, our historical context, we know the inequities that were there. We know some of them overtly, and some of them we're, we still are um, unearthing, mm-hmm. right? Some of us are still discovering that. And because of that, the language and some of the norms around our actions which were really unjust, Mm -hmm. we still do, right? There are some assumptions that we still make. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we really need to unpack some of these mistakes and address some of these mistakes that we make.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think about, you know, the people that you see either in the classroom as a teacher or a school administrator, um, the students that come through your building, or even the people that you work with, what we realize that diversity um, Is a strength. It's a positive yeah. thing. But a lot of times, because we don't know a lot about mm-hmm. one another, mm-hmm. we make assumptions yeah. about each other or judgments about one another, yeah. or we rely on what we've heard, which may not be positive mm-hmm. or or um, helpful in any way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really important that we think about like, okay, so what are the things that we do that we probably could do better? Yeah you know, either in the yeah. classroom or in society, in the workplace, like what could we do better? What are those mistakes that are commonly made that could be, it's some, you know, could, could be considered offensive mm. or could be considered inappropriate mm-hmm. or um, not sensitive, mm-hmm. you know, like what types of mistakes yeah. are we talking about here?
1: So I, I want to start with uh, like culture day or, you know, uh, multicultural Day, or or any anything where we really um, have positive intentions, mm-hmm. good intentions around exploring other cultures. I want to start there because I think, it, particularly for you and I, if we go into a school district, you know, one of the things that the schools will say is, you know, we had we have International, you know, Food Day, or we had, you know, um, our our Multicultural Day or that kind of thing. And, and they kind of hold it up as like, this is the progress that we're making. Um, but one of the challenges that we see with that is one, the biggest challenge is we just kind of stop there. Mm-hmm. We stop with those visible markers of, of culture. So we share each other's food mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, okay, that was really great. I really enjoyed that. Or or we might yeah. hear some music. We like might hear some music.
0: Dance or see a mm-hmm. dance or some, some traditional yes. dress. Right. Um, and from, then it
1: stops there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's the problem with that?
0: Well, I mean, what happens, and I agree with you that, um, you know, yes, it's a good start, if you will. Um, however, it really doesn't help us to understand people's culture. Yeah we might learn a little bit about some of the traditions Mm -hmm. of culture. I I almost feel like this is like the low hanging fruit, you know, so this is like the easiest thing that we can do to learn about culture, that harder work to learn about culture and race and ethnicity and, and, and the experiences of people that harder work takes more time because the culture day is just like one little tiny Mm -hmm. glimpse in a moment of time where you learn a tiny little something about, you know, one group of people. But the Mm -hmm. truth is, you know, we as black people, we live in our skin every day, yep. all day, yep. you know, and yep. not just a month out of the year mm-hmm. or a day out of the mm-hmm. the year where we get to be celebrated. It's really about like, how do we celebrate, you know, each other and the, the ethnic and yeah. cultural backgrounds of each other on a continuous basis? Yes. How do we in, in embed that into mm-hmm. what's happening all the time.
1: Yeah, I really love that idea about embedding it because when we just relegate somebody's culture to a day, we really do other them because what we say is all this other stuff that we do throughout the year, this is like the real stuff, but we'll give you a day to you know um, you know, showcase your culture but
0: and we know that's not the intention and we
1: that's not the intention. Right. But for teachers, so when we think about you know some of the stakes the mistakes that are made, it's really sort of not embedding, like not integrating that culture, those cultural traditions into the work of the classroom. Right. right? So, you know, take for instance, like when we think about, you know, we do a lot of work with, you know, culture and, and um, if you think about culture as an iceberg, then, you know, food and language and dress and music, all of those are the visible parts or the visible signs of culture, but then underneath a much larger piece of that iceberg are all the things you don't see, but which really sort of anchors those, those visible markers. Mm-hmm. So um, when you think about something like, um, like in a culture, if somebody makes a mistake, like how are they restored back into society? Like a lot of times that's cultural, mm-hmm. our relation, the way we relate to mm-hmm. each other. And so what if we, you know what if you took that that culture day and really started identifying the ways that we relate in these in our in our different cultures like what if we knew how in a separate culture we really exercise restoration mm-hmm. after making a mistake mm-hmm. think of how powerful that would be for the kids in your class who are part of that culture to really be able to use that in the classroom and for you as the teacher to be able to use that in the classroom. I think those kinds of things are really important, but when we just say we're gonna share food and some music and then we sort of move on, it really is a lost opportunity.
0: Right, and really learning and understanding culture really does take time. So you and I recently had an opportunity to take a a wonderful trip across the world um, (laughs) to Italy.
1: Yeah,
0: And something that we noticed while we were there, whenever we would go to a restaurant, you know our our american culture is um, built on capitalism yeah. and so you know when you go into a restaurant in america um, you know it's really about like make sure you go in you know you order you can have a good time and enjoy your 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 company but ultimately you know the wait staff is waiting for you yeah. to move on out so they can bring the next crew in yep. because you know it's, tips. it's money, yeah. you know. It's yeah. money, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. people who are in the restaurant industry, you know, who are you know waitstaff, mm-hmm. they tend to um, have like a low wage, mm-hmm. and their living is based upon yeah. their tips. And so, the more people they can come to sit at the table, you know, That's the right. more the more earning potential they have. Yeah. Well, over in Italy, in in several different areas, we were pretty much in the region of Tuscany, mm-hmm. except for one one mm-hmm. of those days um, where we went to Venice. But um while we were there we noticed that the restaurant's service was very different. Mm-hmm. And so for example, you know, they would the wait staff would come and they would initially take, you know, the beginning of our order. First of all, they have several different courses. Yeah. You know, and it's it's the it's on the menu mm-hmm. as multiple courses. Mm-hmm. So they expect you to be there for a while. I think one of the days we sat at a restaurant for four yeah. hours
1: <laughs> And yes. it was just mm-hmm.
0: a part of the mm-hmm. culture. And we noticed the tables around us, people weren't getting Mm-mm. up and leaving. Mm-mm. They too were sitting, yeah. you know, yeah. and just enjoying mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And the way staff doesn't come around every five minutes, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, we're, we're looking for somebody. Yeah. You know, right. it was a different experience. Very there. different.
1: Very and different. we,
0: as, you know, as Americans, we um we had to be careful not to be critical Yeah. because what that, what we saw was a different society. They right. they, they have a different economic system mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. They operate differently and meal time is very different. Yes. You know, yes. even yes. the siestas.
1: Yes, absolutely. Like we, one afternoon we were like, okay, we're going to go shopping. And we got there during the middle of the day and shops were closed, right? They were mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll be back three o'clock or 3.30. And so um, even just that, you know, having to adjust to that, you know, um, and and I really love what you said about not being critical. Like this is another way of life, right? right? This right. is another culture and it's, it works here. It works, it worked there. And I think as soon as we sort of settled into it, we weren't rushing up from the table, you know, or we weren't, you know, looking for the, the, the check right after dessert or whatever. Um, and so we we had to we had to adjust we adapted mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. but having that perspective you know really helped us when we thought about sort of really flowing and operating in that in that culture while we were there right yeah right. Mm-hmm. and
0: I think the same thing happens in in here in America yeah. where we have so many cultures yeah. that um, are a part of our school system a part of the workforce. You know, it's really like, how do we learn to appreciate yeah. what's different yes. about right. um, ab- about the mm-hmm. cultures that sit in front of us? Mm-hmm. You know, there are different ways that, you know, um, different cultures and ethnicities yeah. relate to one another, mm-hmm. where they speak to one another, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they um, give eye contact to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the mistakes that are made is when, um, you know, when teachers center their own culture, Yes you know, and not the culture of those who are yes. in their classrooms. Right. You know? Right.
1: Or even like not teaching. You know, we saw a video um, recently about um, two um, recent high school graduates that said that they graduated from a diverse high school, but they didn't have what they would consider to be racial or cultural literacy. Right. And so the diversity that was in their school was almost sort of a lost, a lost opportunity for them because they really didn't learn how to navigate right. the cultures of, of the different um, the cultures that were represented in their in their in their school. And so I think for us, um, you know what we really want to encourage teachers is really to um, find ways so first of all, reflect on how the dominant culture, which is really in, in education is white middle class, right? So how is it centered in um, in in your classroom in the school? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the first place, Mm -hmm. right? And then really sort of seek to, you know, we're not saying don't have culture days. We're just saying extend it, Mm -hmm. right? Make it a little bit more, make it more meaningful, so that you know we are able, you are able to integrate, you know, some different cultural other cultural norms into the classroom. And so that starts though with the reflection. Mm right, of the teacher. So reflecting on your own cultural practices, reflecting on your own messages about these other cultures, I think is a really great place to start. Right. And also
0: that reflection on your own biases. Yeah. So, you know, where do you hold bias?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and really being, um, being willing to be honest with yourself about, your views and how your views might impact mm-hmm. what you do in the classroom on a daily basis. Yeah, I, think I think that's really, that good. That's really important mm-hmm. to think about. Mm-hmm. I think another mistake that can be made is um, around the issue of tokenism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you may have um, a relatively uh, homogenous group of students mm-hmm. sitting in front of you, but there may be one or two who are part of a different cultural group mm-hmm. or different racial group. And you may um, find that if you're Talking about something in class that it's easy to ask that student, mm. you know, or mm-hmm. those two students, you know. Well, you know, Eric and Tanya, you guys mm-hmm. are black. You know, tell us what yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, in in the black community mm-hmm. about blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what that does is that puts students on yeah. the spot, and it makes them have to become the spokesperson right. for right. their racial group or their ethnic group, yeah. which is completely unfair yes. to them because mm-hmm. first of all, no group is a monolith. That's We've right. said it before. That's right. We'll say it again. Mm-hmm. that we are not the same. Yes. You know, yes. we might both be from the same background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning we're both black women yes. talking about the two of us. But that doesn't mean that we our experiences, our lived experiences right. or our or our um, experiences growing up are the same. Yeah. We may not have the same religion. We might mm. not have the same you know, upbringing, mm-hmm. like things mm-hmm. may be vastly different, yeah. but when we tokenize mm-hmm. groups of students, you know, or individual students, yeah. because they are the, you know, they represent a particular group, what we're doing is we are making them feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We're creating an environment that is, um, again, where there's some othering mm-hmm. that's taking place in the classroom, mm-hmm. and we don't want that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that's really important. Um, that tokenism is, um, it can be brutal you know, Mm -hmm. um, speaking as somebody who has been the only, you know, um, African-American, the only female in spaces, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it could be tough. And so, um, and I I think part of the challenge is, you know, if you're, let's say you're reading something or you're discussing something um, that, you know, brings in, if it's the only um, issue or it's the only text or if it's the only, idea that you're discussing that includes, you know, whatever group, you know, that particular student might be from, or a couple of students might be from, there's a challenge with your curriculum, right? Right. So that means that it lacks representation. So, you know, that student should be able to see themselves just like white students are able to see themselves in lots of different um, context, situations, and um, spaces, environments, they should be able to really explore that. And if it's that student, that token student, should really have the freedom to not have to speak on behalf of a race or a culture Absolutely. or you know, a country or whatever it is. And so, because we don't ask that of white students, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we would never say like, what's it like to be a white male? Like we don't ask those, those kinds of questions. Um, and we would never think to, right? And so, you know, making sure that, you know, there is a rich diversity right? Um, and accurate accuracy of representation is, is critical too.
0: That's the thing, yeah. accuracy. Mm-hmm. And I love how you mentioned, you know, using multiple sources, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, because again, one source may yeah. have a very skewed That's right. perspective, or may not be representative of That's right. some of the members in, in your classroom, That's some of right. the students in your classroom. That's right. And so, and we've learned this in, in just, mm-hmm. you know, having done research that, you know, you really need to expose students to many texts yes. and and content that shares various perspectives because that those perspectives, number one, they allow students to, to learn, yes. but it also allows students to now begin to, examine mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. their, and and analyze their, yeah. the context of, mm-hmm. of what's being presented to them and allows them to draw their own conclusions.
1: Absolutely. And be able to
0: ask questions.
1: And that, by the way, leads you to rigor, which we've talked about in previous um, right. episodes, um, but that sort of that, um, the multidimensional aspect of the texts that they interact with and the way that they're able to analyze and compare and contrast, mm-hmm. you know, as former English teacher um, is really important when it comes to, you know, really increasing the rigor mm-hmm. um, in terms of ideas and complex, the complexity of ideas that kids come in contact right,
0: with. Right. And mm-hmm. so along the line of lines of rigor, you know, a mistake that is often made um, might be centered around the expectations yeah. that you might have mm-hmm. for certain groups of students. It's yeah. not uncommon for teachers to lower their expectations. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. students who mm-hmm. they think um, maybe coming from a, a background where they're struggling yeah. economically, mm-hmm. um, you know, students who typically are marginalized, mm-hmm. you know, black and Latino students mm-hmm. um, in particular, yep, um, who come from lower socioeconomic, you know, homes and environments, oftentimes. Teachers may feel like, "Well, I don't want to put more stress on those yeah. students," and so their expectations become lower. Yeah, and that it's, does a disservice.
1: It's the um, what is the phrase? It's the um, soft bigotry of low expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really is. I think that's Les Brown's um, quote, um, although I'm not sure. Someone somebody attributed to President Bush once, so I'm not really sure. Yeah. but um, it really kind of sticks with us because of the um, because of the truth, right? So it's like these kids come from here, they can't possibly, you know, um, achieve this or they can't possibly, you know, we read something about, you know, um, like ESL students and, you know, kind of not really getting, um, you know, rigorous uh, work. And, you know, when they clearly can do it, it's just that, you know, we have the, the language barrier. So because I can't do it in English doesn't mean I can't do it. That's correct. Right? And so then how do we make sure that we're not wasting their time with, you know, these like really low expectations, you know, and and, and that is unjust mm-hmm. to, you know, have a student in a space where they are here to learn, you know, they may be in eighth grade and we're giving them fourth grade work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is unjust. Right. And so how then do we make sure that, you know, you talked about, you know, reflecting on a bias, you know, how then do we make sure that the bias if we're reflecting on the bias, if I think that students from this background can't do it, what makes me think that? Mm-hmm. What kinds of messages mm-hmm. have I received? What kind of images have I, you know, um, internalized that makes me think that these kids can't do it? Um, and I think that that reflection is really important when we think about um, you know, really, Providing kids with the education experiences that they deserve. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know
0: another common mistake that um, That we've talked about before in previous episodes is colorblindness mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so in case this is the first time you've watched any of our or listen to any of our, mm-hmm. our podcast episodes Yeah, we've got to talk about this one again. Yeah, because colorblindness is one that you know, where society some time ago said that it was okay to just see people and not pay attention to who they, you know, who they represent or the the racial group that they represent. And so what we hear even today, (laughs) sadly, we still hear this. I don't see color. I just see students. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you that when I walk into a room, I know yeah. that I am a woman of color. Yeah. If you tell me you can't see that I'm a black woman, you can see that I'm a woman, yeah. but you can't see that I'm black, I don't believe you. Yeah, right. You know, for so mm-hmm. now that's dis- I, I I discredit you. That's right. You know, like I I can't trust you because right. you can't see me, really. That's I mean, right. I know you can. Right. Um and mm-hmm. so, you know, what we do when we when we say I, I don't mm-hmm. see color, we're essentially saying to a student, I don't see you.
1: Yeah, yeah. We read an article um, by Jay Womstead and he talks about the 27 mistakes that um, teachers, white teachers of black students make. And one of the things that he says about the colorblindness is that um, when classroom conversations about race or racism can't be avoided, we repeat a variation on the lesson that we learned in childhood, which is I don't see color, I just see students. And it's really this idea of not being able to avoid the conversation about race. Mm -hmm. And the truth is like when we, when we talk about, you know, I don't see color, um, for some of us, it is an avoidance of, um, an acknowledgement or a conversation around race. Right. And, you know, we really have to, you know, kind of reflect on that again, that, that reflection is key. What makes us so uncomfortable about, race, right. what makes us so uncomfortable about even saying, even acknowledging and, and kind of lying to ourselves that we don't see color, mm-hmm. um, because we do. You know, you, when I walk into a room, you know that I'm an African-American woman. If an Asian-American walked into the room, you know that that's an Asian-American, like you, we know these things. Mm-hmm. And so it really is an avoidance mm-hmm. of a conversation on race. And I think that reflection on why we're trying to avoid that is hugely important. Right, Yeah. Right.
0: Cause we do, our students are a, a vast disservice, Yeah. you know, and, and also assuming and only ta- talking about A few standout people in history, you know, yeah, you know, as as black kids, you know, we learned about Martin Luther King, Mm -hmm. Harriet Tubman, and Rosa Rosa Parks, Parks. and that's kind of what black kids learn. Yeah, let me hear. Let me tell you that there's so much to learn about black history, i.e., American history, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's so much to learn about figures in history. That to to just say oh there are just these three people that you yeah. need to know about and mm-hmm. that's it no there's so many people yeah. that we get to learn about yeah I was fortunate to have grown up in a home where we were where we were reading books yeah. and, and and you know our parents were exposing us to that but if if students aren't being exposed yeah. to that
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know because the teachers just you know want to just keep it at you know these yep. three people in mm-hmm. history
1: mm-hmm. I, I mean yeah I mean it's I, and, unacceptable and I think that's it's safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a in a um, community where you know we were sort of the uh, the benefactors of it having been integrated maybe fifteen years before we moved in, maybe ten years before we moved in. How powerful would it have been for my teachers to say, you know um we're in a community now that is integrated. Let's look at the patterns. Let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at the history of this community. That would have been so powerful for not only the black students, but for the white students. Like that would have been just an amazing experience, but it was a lost opportunity because you know, we just learned about the big three, right. as you as you um, explained. And so I think, you know. And, and
0: we, we learn nothing about any other culture. Nothing. Outside of nothing. You know, the dominant culture.
1: That's right, nothing, <laughs> nothing. And yeah. so, you know, um, yeah, my Latino and my Latina classmates, they learn nothing. 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 And so um, I think what's really kind of crucial is, I think we, we talked about representation before and right. accuracy. But as you can see, these issues kind of blend into each other, but they, it doesn't happen if we're not reflective, if we're not, we don't take really a serious look at those things that, and discuss the undiscussable. Right, right, right. right. And That's making right sure there. that we bring them to light. I mean, mm-hmm. That is really a part of our, of our work. And I think, again, what we started with was the grace, right, so we've made these mistakes. We acknowledge that we make them how do we do better now? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I also think that as we're thinking about, you know, how can we do better in, in the classroom, having conversations centered around race is after we've examined what makes us uncomfortable, we then need to take that next step and read. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, yes. Become informed about what you were not informed That's about. right. So it's not uncommon that the average teacher may have only had one class on multiculturalism the whole time they were preparing to be teachers. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's incumbent upon every teacher, and not just white teachers, every teacher Mm -hmm. of every ethnic group Mm -hmm. to learn as much as you can. Just become hungry for knowledge Mm -hmm. and for information. Mm -hmm. And don't just read one thing. Read multiple um, perspectives about different groups of people. And don't be afraid to talk to family. Yeah. that's You know, families are so open Mm -hmm. to being able to share. Mm -hmm. They want you to know about who they are.
1: Absolutely. You know, so reach out to the
0: families in your community. Say, hey, we would love to learn more about your family, about some of the traditions in your race or your ethnic group or your religion. You know, come and share.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Invite them in the classroom, right. invite them in the classroom to talk about like, you know, their experiences or, you know, a cultural tradition, or even a way, you know, um, there are different ways to learn math. Right. There are different ways to learn to read, like even to share, like, this is how we did it, or this is how I was taught. And that's really important. And imagine how powerful it is for kids to see themselves represented in a tradition, Absolutely. you know, in a practice. Imagine how awesome that would be for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, that that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And the truth is this topic, even, you know, this is part one where we're talking about the mistake teachers make. There's so many more yeah. mistakes that are made on a regular basis and there's a lot more that we can say about it, but we don't have as much we time in this time. episode. We don't but have the time. But stick with us with this, this um, series. Series, Because there's more that we're going to talk about in parts two, three, and four, and we're looking forward to being able to share with you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Erica Leek and I'm Dr. Tanya Mm -hmm. Freeland.